0: Saturdays with Jamie. But the other book that we're celebrating, oddly enough, from the same publishing house, which is Pan Macmillan, is Dr. T's and A Guide to Sexual Health and Pleasure. And I don't know how many copies it's sold, but I know that there's a brand new edition. It's got updated content and she's sitting next to me. We had a conversation. Was it yesterday or the day before, I think? And so I phoned her. And uh, and she agreed to come in, but I didn't know there was going to be a prezi. So you (laughs) you can't see this, but we've taken a little video. And so I mean, this is gorgeous. It really is gorgeous. So it it, it's got a beautiful a beautiful card, and there is well, what it's a mirror. Oh, this it's a mirror, and there's a reason why there's a mirror, Um,
1: because the opening line of the book I say, put the book back down. And take a mirror and look at your vagina. Do you mind if I don't do it in the studio? Of course, darling. Oh, thank you very when much. I would love some feedback. <laughs>
0: But, but, I mean, that, that was the, the first women's movement. Look Absolutely. at your vagina. Absolutely, you know? I, th- I think I ought to say that this is adult content, just in case you're wondering. So, I mean, Dr. T, we, we know, we're talking about sex, and it is an adult discussion, and I don't want you to be embarrassed, and I certainly don't want your children to be embarrassed or... Um, hugely amused um, but you know it's it's something for them a little later on so maybe maybe do a dance or go and watch Chris Hadfield the International Space Station and uh, while we have this discussion so anyway I've got a mirror for me I have got this is lipstick it's red lipstick because red lips are
1: my brand and it's just something that I've been gifting you know with a new edition because it's a wonderful color everyone says what was that what are the, what's that lipstick on your you know I'm like okay here it is everybody um, and it's like the little thing of the stuff that I like, yes. you know, um, and I'm sharing it with everybody, and I'm really also just celebrating and packaging the books, and you know, in nice, pretty little things, um, and to also just think, say thank you um, to the. To the people who buy the book, you know, a lot of them are buying the updated edition, even though they've got the first book. And it's really just my appreciation to to package the book nicely. I wrap it all up myself um, because I actually find wrapping presents quite
0: therapeutic. Yeah, and it's um, got, this one has got little it feels like velvet. Yes, velvet it's got spots little
1: velvety on it. Uh, polka dots. Um, which is also my favorite, and red roses um, because you know we're still in the month of love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now, and inside, inside this lovely little box, there is bestseller is on the cover, a guide to sexual health and pleasure. But it says here, and I'm asking you the same question that I asked Bruce Whitfield. He's he's also updated his book, but what is there to update? Because your book is very comprehensive.
1: It is. And you know, I had thought we were done until Terry, you know, emails me and says, Dr. T, I think we need an update and your deadline is three weeks. I was like, what? (laughs) What? It's a book world. Wonderful. You know, Um, but it was important because even on social media, I was getting a lot of questions about COVID-19 and sexual health and safety around sex. And the president did that speech and all he said was no kissing, Right? right, which is fine. But we kind of need to know a little bit more. If we can't kiss, can we do... Everything else And and what's the risk And it was only You know When I spoke to my colleagues At the New York City Health um, They usually You know The groundbreakers In terms of sexual health advice That they actually printed And and published The first set of COVID-19 And sexual health advice Um, And I was sharing that wildly On my social media Because again People were just inquisitive About what the president Has said about No kissing And it was important That I added a chapter On COVID-19 and sex Because it is a moment in time In our lifetimes. But I also added a chapter on coercive control, Jenny. And this is again because a lot of women were saying to me the book is great and we get all the stuff about communicating with your partner to enhance sexual pleasure. But some of us find ourselves in relationships where there may be a red flag and we are not quite sure how to process that and what it means. Some of us are already in abusive relationships, but we are still intimate with these people. And funny enough, even in sex therapy um, at the practice at DISA. We always find couples who says we're in the process of a divorce. A divorce can take a year, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. We are still together in the same house. And we will still be having sex, but we actually have other partners whom we are going to establish life with after the divorce. How do we navigate this? so there's a whole lot that I speak about um, in terms of that chapter of coercive control because we do live in a country again unfortunately that has um, normalized the blurred lines of consent and and violence on on people's bodies and their person, and so it was important for me to put that chapter in so people can know the signs of abuse. So they can know and be affirmed that if you see a red flag, these are some of the options you have. And, you know, research has shown us that women who are abused, um, they get murdered in that leaving period. So when they're preparing to leave, physically leave the abuser, that's when the murders happen. But a lot of abuse happens before that. And it was important for me to highlight that because it is a big part of being a woman in South Africa, um, and, and again, you know, if you talk about first sexual experiences, They are not all joyful, you know, and some people's first sexual experience was under coercion. And how do people then process that? So that's why it was important um, to add that chapter as
0: well. Gosh, I wish I could remember the title of the book. It's actually quite a new book. It's come out and it's about um, a 15 year old girl and uh, and there's a teacher and uh, she thinks it's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to her because she's finally grown up. Mm -hmm. But in fact, in later life, she looks back and she realizes that she was raped. Absolutely and uh, and it's this thing about giving gifts and at the same time actually abusing you with absolute impunity and yeah. and that is one of the problems that we that we have got yeah.
1: and it, and it's actually um, officially called grooming
0: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
1: where abusers actually may have a target, which may be a child, which may not be a child, Mm -hmm. but they're really targeted and very intentional about the abuse, but it starts very subtly, and then it starts to escalate. They push the boundaries a little bit and see how people around will react, and if there's no reaction or there's a cover-up, that enables the abuser to escalate that abuse to the next level, and it doesn't often always start with sexual violence, but it starts with sort of eroding Mm. someone's Mm self-esteem. It starts eroding that personal bubble and that feeling of a safer space even in your own home it starts eroding the relationships with you that you have with people that you would need should something happen to you so often when I say children have been groomed and they are victims of sexual violence. The parents themselves and the other relationships are part of that grooming because that abuser was able to do what they did to the child because the safety net that's meant to be there was also eroded, possibly also by the abuser. And it's a very hard thing for parents and adults to understand that they too can be groomed um, and unfortunately, um, without even realizing they may have created conditions that enable that abuse. And that's why I'm, I'm very passionate about talking to children honestly about um, boundaries, about the fact that their bodies are there and affirm that. Um, and also tell them before anything happens, that should something happen, you are OK to, to feel awkward and odd and not understand what just happened. Come to me. And I will believe you. We need to start normalizing that in South Africa. Well,
0: they need a lot of courage because, of course, they're threatened. Absolutely, you know, we will tell your your, your mummy and your daddy, yeah. uh, etc. That and comes then you almost lose out immediately. immediately.
1: And, and I mean, children, you mm. know, it's, it's something something as simple as you would lose out on your Christmas present. Mm. You know, it's something that brings so much joy for kids and they look forward to it. So suddenly when you're threatening them with that, um, if you and that's why I hated when parents use um, the threat, you know, when, when they're disciplining children. Oh, I'll kick you out of the house. Oh, I will do this. It's almost abusive because that's exactly what abusers do. They scare you and they threaten you with those things that are like really the bare minimum, the bare necessities for survival, safety, home and shelter secure food and love of a caregiver and when we discipline children that way when they grow up to be adults jenny and they are now husbands or you know having partners and that partner threatens them and says well if you don't have sex with me now i'll throw you out of the house well guess what parents have been disciplining children like that Mm. so for that woman there's nothing odd about her being told Mm. she's going to be dropped off In some highway, some way, if she doesn't do what the other person does. And so the issues of consent, the issues of affirming autonomy are very important, even in how we raise children and what the methods we use to discipline them. Because we then tell children, oh, but mommy, sorry, I love you. But that's what the abuser tells me Mm. 20 years later when he's beating me up. He says, well, I'm sorry, baby, but I do love you. So the idea of love. It's distorted. To, it's it's distorted. distorted. So we need to normalize, unlearn a lot, but also learn and normalize healthy relationships and healthy sexual behaviors. So, so
0: let's talk, let's go back to COVID because, I mean, this this is a topic we can talk about forever and ever and ever because it is so in your face. Yeah. And we can see it if we've got the eyes and the knowledge to see it. We can see it. And and at a certain stage, you have to you have to talk up and there's risks there. Uh, I mean, if, if, if my neighbor, for instance, mm. is in a very abusive relationship and I hear sounds at night, I mean, the, the, the temptation is to pick up the phone and to call the police, mm. but there might be repercussions for you. Mm-hmm. So there are all sorts of—it's—it's it's complex. It's not as straightforward as as it seems, yeah. but you can't ignore it. And, so, and this
1: is why I insist, right, that the state um, does its obligations and understands its responsibilities when it comes to creating safe environments and safe communities.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that that women have to do en mass, I think, is to actually insist on seeing what. New recruits and people who are already policemen and women are actually taught. About abuse because I got two people into my studio because I wanted to see when you go in for your training, how much time mm. is is given to this. What do you do when a woman we we're right off the subject, of course, which is your book, but it's it's involved. But a woman who's been raped comes into a police station. There are four men behind the counter. She's mm. been raped by a man. Mm. She doesn't want to talk to you. Mm. So what do you do? You've got to have somebody there that you can pick up the phone to and they come in immediately. You've got to have a room where this woman is absolutely safe she's absolutely secure when she goes to the hospital she's got to be the whole thing we do not know what our policemen and women are taught
1: yeah and there's actually the south african police services victims charter that outlines all of these things that you talk about the the time the waiting period by the way when your statement will be taken you know when you arrive the waiting area what it should have um, the, the access to psychologists immediately because there's a lot of emotional containment that's required they need to have a referral a very seamless referral pathway to a health facility in case there are injuries especially in the in the times of rape because we need to do the DNA and forensic examination, but it doesn't happen that way. And I think the problem that we have in South Africa is that we have really great policies on paper and the politicians will always defend that and say, oh, but South Africa is so progressive, but there's lack of implementation. And that's where for me, the biggest human rights abuses and violations happen. It's in that lack of implementation. And we do need to pay attention to that. You are absolutely spot on. So so
0: let's also talk about COVID because during lockdown, I mean, it's impossible <laughs> in lockdown. I mean, I saw a documentary about lockdown in Britain where the houses tend to be, you know, small. They mm-hmm. do tend to be small. You've got three children or you've got four children and... Um, I, I understand why people think. We don't even want to have sex under these circumstances. I don't want to see his face. I've, it's enough. Yeah. I'm just going to go down and do the washing up again. Put on some, you know, etc. Washing et up for
1: everybody, uh, right? Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> and, and you are you are all imprisoned in this. Mm. It's very difficult to feel sexy under yeah. those circumstances. And it speaks to intimacy um, and
1: communications within relationships. It's very, very important. And it came through during COVID, right? Um, how couples, especially women, would say, um, my menstrual cycle is just doing weird stuff um and and our communication in our household is just not the way that it used to be and i'm like folks you are living through a pandemic we need to understand that we may not internalize it and and process it what's happening but our bodies know Mm -hmm. our spirits know that we are living through the worst disaster in our lifetime Mm -hmm. for some of us and so we do need to give ourselves a break but we do live in a capitalist Um, system that requires productivity if you are not productive um, you get you know Pushed aside to the margins, and so the difficulty with COVID and being under lockdown in the home is that children started homeschooling, and parents were not ready to be teachers. They still had to produce their own work in their own, um, you know, in their own field employment, and they still had to do household chores. And don't forget that more women are still underpaid for the same job that men do, and women we use more of their salary than men to take care of the house as well as extended family. Mm. So it's no wonder women didn't have desire for sex. It's no wonder that there was no libido or even a thought about having sex. But again, it's about validating and affirming other types of intimacy journey. I always say to the couples that come for sex therapy, it's not just about what organ is penetrating whom. You can do so much more in between that cuddling big spoon small spoon you know having a bubble bath together having a moment to listen to your favorite song have a moment to watch your favorite movie together as a couple and hold hands and hug and touch and don't be ashamed to show affection in front of your children um, as well i think it's important that children need to know what affection looks like in the true sense of the word and so COVID was a very interesting time for us as health workers right Everyone else was under lockdown But I was still doing cesareans And assisting my colleagues Or obstetricians (laughs) I came home to my partner And we were like Okay, so I'm high risk Just pure of my occupation We may live in the same household But I don't think it's good for us To get intimate Or to even kiss Like how are we going to do this, babe? Like we need to talk about this And so those are some of the interesting things That for nurses and doctors And other services providers The information wasn't there for them That was specific about their occupational risk. We all understand the social risk of going shopping, being in crowded areas. But my occupation puts me at risk every day. And how do I navigate that in my relationships? So, you know, we're going to have to get together again. I know. Because look at the time. Oh, my gosh. And you know that (laughs) I, I met my partner because of you just quickly. You were doing a radio show on 2010 and the new pop-up spots and I heard one of them and I decided to take the N1 and he was a GM at one of the places. Marvel. Yes, I became their first client, their first customer and that's where I met my husband. So thanks to you oh, fantastic. next year we celebrate in 10 years.
0: So, <laughs> Well, Dr. T is in the studio. I've got a lipstick. I've got a thing that I've got to examine myself with and uh, at home, I have to say. And I've also got her new edition of A Guide to Sexual health and pleasure and it's got bestseller on it so you can't mistake the covers of the book so just have a look at it. it's updated with new content it's a best seller and I'm absolutely delighted for Dr T Saturdays with Jenny every saturday from 9 to 11 am on Kaya FM 95.9 Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind
1: visit kayafm.co.za for more